0: I'm going to a funeral for a friend today. Um, But I asked Grant a few days ago, um, actually yesterday, now that I think about it, um, I asked him if he would uh, come on and uh, I would have a couple maps and we could talk about the Pacific. Do kind of a map orientation to the geography and the strategic interests. Of, um, of the nations that comprise the Pacific Rim and other interested parties, which extends from, right, South America, well, Antarctica, South America, North America, Alaska you know, across the vast expanse of the Pacific to Hawaii, across another vast expanse, you know, starting at the top, Japan, Korea. You go down to the Senkaku Islands. You go further down to Taiwan, the Philippines, right, all along the coast of China, Vietnam, Malaysia, Indonesia, right? You go further to the west, right Laos Cambodia Myanmar Bangladesh into India Sri Lanka you go further south to Australia then to New Zealand right in the Philippine Sea you see the the strategic islands that are there you go further to the west you see the Marshall Islands so um, so that's what we're gonna do today and I think you'll find it fascinating Grant's awesome, going over the maps, uh, Something both he and I enjoy doing. So, without further ado, here's Grant Newsham talking about a map of the Pacific, right? The nuances of the map and the strategic interest of those people in the region. So, without further ado, my friend, Grant Newsham. Grant Newsham is going to join me right now and i asked grant uh yesterday if he would join me and to go over a map of the vast pacific and uh grant said yeah so uh first of all grant how are you
1: oh fine thanks
0: all right now let me ask you are you a map guy because i love
1: maps oh i definitely am it uh yeah, my, my father was a map guy.
0: Your dad well. was a map guy?
1: Yeah, so somehow, like, I think, you know, all of we, my brothers and sister, you know, we can all look at Well, you know, look I at mean, maps in and, the gented
0: yeah. aristocracy yeah. of the Virginia, right, um, what do they call, not the Tidewater area, but what do they call the little hills where all the aristocrats uh, aristocrats were? Aristocrats pe- is a Disney movie. Um yeah. The aristocrats,
1: Pied, yes? Pied, the yeah, well that's the
0: Piedmont.
1: No, Piedmont, I think. Yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, the Piedmont. Now, now we're talking.
0: Um. <laughs> yeah, so I can imagine the Newsham Nush, Manor with this <laughs> large table and these maps, like um, these maps stretched across this large table with brandy. What do you call them, snifters? Or I yeah, don't. Yeah, that,
1: that's that's what it would be. Holding
0: mm-hmm. down the edges of the map with very expensive brandy in the Newsome. In Newsham is that that's the picture i have is that the
1: way it well, was well yeah yeah w- wiping up spills with my ascot and, <laughs> and uh, yeah yeah you've pretty much got it uh, that it all sounds But i have to ask back,
0: you no, the absorbent uh, properties of a silk ascot are not so much yes
1: well silks actually very absorbent is it yeah cuz you know it's expensive
0: <laughs> i wouldn't know I would not well, that's know. That's what you
1: go get the, the roll of. Bounty. How
0: was your, why was your dad a map guy?
1: Uh, he, um, uh, for some reason, you know, he liked maps, knew all about them, And we all got the, the map bug or whatever you want to call it, where the map bug. Yeah. You know, you, we, it's always, uh, nice to look at a map, you know, they, uh, uh, it, one of them tells you a lot, but also just kind of fun. You know, you can imagine the world and what's where, and, Gives you some idea what you know, how to get places, and uh, the geography matters.
0: Interesting.
1: So, yeah, it's just one of those things. You know, it's um, you know, I wish I'd learned to be the like a car and driver aficionado as well, but I didn't that. But uh, uh, but yeah, maps are good stuff.
0: The um, I don't know. I started getting interested in maps. My mom bought me a book that I have here someplace about the Civil War, and it had maps in it, but it also had paintings of battlefields that had terrain on them, and
1: little... Oh, yeah, um, David Greenspan, I know exactly, it's that old the American, War- Heri- American Heritage book. Okay, yeah. hold on,
0: I can see yeah. it from here, let me go grab it.
1: Yeah, it's a big, fat one, yeah.
0: Now, my mother, who I affectionately refer to as Corporal Punishment Kathleen, my mother bought me this. It is the American Heritage, um, the golden book of the Civil War, okay? And um, it is illustrated throughout. Um, I got this in fourth grade because it (laughs) says so, right? It says my name, my mother wrote my name in here, my address, my school Grade four, and um, let's see, adapted for young readers by Charles Flato. Um, introduction by Bruce Catton, the uh-huh. fame, yeah, the famous yeah. Civil War writer. But it has these little maps, uh, these paintings. And with little artillery pieces and trees and, and and creeks and all the shit that you would need to really understand the battle better, to understand the significance of Burnside Bridge, to understand the geometry of why Stuart can't get to Gettysburg because um, Meade and Meade's advance guard keep bumping into Custer and forcing him further north. And so I think that's where I first would look at maps and then uh but i didn't know how to read a map until i got to quantico
1: oh really yeah
0: so i'm i'm uh it was probably at ocs maybe at ocs do we do maps at ocs i don't know if we did maps very much but certainly at the basic school i remember in the land nav class and they hand you a map of quantico now let me just tell you this whoever whoever put land navigation in quantico was a genius because if you could navigate in quantico (laughs) you could navigate anywhere in the world because It's, it's, it's got more fingers and draws and creaks and shit that will confuse you. And I remember looking at the map and it was just these jumbled lines and I didn't make any, and it didn't make any sense to me. And then one prior enlisted, and he was probably a supply clerk, right? But a prior enlisted supply clerk, clerk, right? In the midst of people who don't know (laughs) shit, right? That guy's a genius. Mm. And he looks at me and he says, if you if you find the blue stuff, that's water. That's the low ground. That's where you start, and the the circles that you'll see, those are the hilltops. And I looked at him like he was Sigmund Freud, right? Because he handed me the Rosetta Stone. He handed me the Rosetta Stone of maps, and I looked, and and it became into and it came into focus. And then I started reading history with maps next to me. I'd go to used bookstores and find uh, National Geographic maps and stuff, and and uh, and I'd begin to and I began to read history with maps with annotated maps. And then listen to this. I even um, back in the day, what was that? Uh, do you remember the magazine that, that would be on airplanes? It was like the sharper image. It okay. Would, yeah. And it would have all that merchandise in it and cool shit in it. So. I'd flip through that, and I'd see this wallpaper, and it was a topographical map of the world, but it was wallpaper, yeah. and I bought that because I was trying to read about the Eastern Front, and I, and although I could see the Donets River and Smolensk and Vitebsk and all the names that are back in the news today, right none of it made sense to me because all the maps were black and white or political maps they weren't topographical because I couldn't so they didn't depict the marshes Hmm. they didn't Mm -hmm. depict the mountains very well and stuff like that and I think now if I could have read as as a kid uh, and even as a marine with Google Earth at my disposal how much deeper my understanding of historical events would have been
1: no that it's the right way to put it you know, remember also most people, people used to have globes in the house?
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely.
1: Well, well I don't know. At least in our mansion, we <laughs> had several. <laughs> in um,
0: in Newsham Manor, we had yeah, a variety yeah, of them.
1: True. Yeah. But, you know, people had globes and, you know, children used to like, you know, look at them and spin them around and say, you're from wherever it stops or something like that. Right. Um, but it gives you, you know, a sense of the world, but they... uh you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a building block for understanding a lot of things, um, not just the geography, but you said the history, the political angles to it, the uh, with the economic stuff, you know, where do they grow bananas, and things like this, but you see where it helps tie a lot of things together. And there's so much available. I've seen that Google Earth thing. And it's amazing. You know, I don't think I'd have been nearly as bored as a child if it existed then along with the internet, but the, uh, um, but I don't, I get the impression that people aren't quite as familiar with maps these days and, you know, or even how to read them, you know, with, uh, with the app, the iPhone stuff that, um, you know, it makes things easier, but you do, I think sort of lose track of it. Of it in.
0: Well, that's, be- that's because we become idiots right in our in our haste to make everything easier for everybody you know we become you know we become a a world of idiots and it's pretty pathetic um but but again i mean i i love as soon as something happens and i'm not real familiar with the area geographically um i bust out um google earth and uh and i have my little push pins in there uh where the senkaku islands are uh you know, where the Scarborough Shoals are, and all the different things we talk about on a regular basis.
1: Um, Yeah, you know, I I was, I was speaking of the Senkakus, I was in, um, and you know how it's a big deal these days, this was probably 2009 or 10. Uh, I was in, uh, in Japan, there was a Marine General who came by, and he brought his political advisor with him. And Uh, They were talking to a Japanese reporter, and the Japanese reporter asked, Well, would you defend the Senkakus? She had no idea where they were. Uh, And I'd say most people in the U.S. government did not. And that'd be like saying, Will you defend, you know, Nantucket? (laughs) Uh, Where? You know, or, or, you know, San Clemente or what, San Catalina Island? Uh huh. Well, where's that? And, but the, the point is that this lack of familiarity with basic geography, well, that's not even basic. That's a little beyond that. But, you know, the, the time spent staring at a map is generally well spent if, you know, this is your, you know, if you do work involving uh, those sorts of things.
0: The, uh, all right, so here's what I want to do. And, uh, no, I, 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 um, I, I can vividly remember when I got my map of the, the topographical map of the world, and I, I had all these push pins and I was following Gadarian's movements into um into Russia. And then but all of a sudden when I roll the map out and I'm looking at the area of Smolensk, Feedback and um you can see the rivers. And once you begin to see the rivers, you can see why he's forced in a certain direction, and you're just like, ah. Now I understand, right? And um, so I, I just—I've um, always loved maps. So what I want to do is I—I I, want to kind of go um, in whatever order you want to go in, and the map is in the post, so you—for those of you listening—you can click on it, and—and um, and I don't know if we should start in the center of the map, Grant, and then work our way outward. Or if you want to go east to
1: west,
0: um, do you think there's a way that we should go through the map so that as we do this, it makes sense?
1: Oh boy, um, you know, it, you might sort of start in Hawaii just because right. I think a lot of people know where that is, and that's where Pearl Harbor and the, you know, the big U.S. bases are. And you get a sense of where that is. That that might be a place to start. And then I think people usually swing up to north northeast Asia. Is that's just the way the flights usually work. So I think <laughs> that might be a, a way to start.
0: Okay. All right. So we'll go from Hawaii <clears throat> over to Japan and then to South Korea. And and then we can work our way down the Chinese coast and then we'll almost move in a in a in a sea pattern and then we'll come back through indonesia australia and we'll finish up towards new zealand and fiji and Tonga. how about that
1: okay well that'll work yeah.
0: all right so looking at the map um talk about uh, we'll start in hawaii um and if there's any notes that you would give people what would you tell them about hawaii's geographic location and things like that and then we'll we'll kind of go through like that
1: oh one thing to keep in mind with Hawaii is that it's pretty much it's it's way off to the you know if you look at the the middle of Asia that Hawaii's kind of off to the right it's sort of it's quite a ways to the east so it's not close to you know mainland Asia at all the, the, there's a the sense of distance is important uh, but also if you could see around the sort of around the the, the beyond Hawaii. Uh, Your next thing is uh, the west coast of the United States. And Hawaii pretty much is, you know, sort of in a blocking position almost. Or if you're looking westward, it goes, uh, you know, you you head to Asia. And there's not a whole lot in between that geographically. Uh, But it has a, you know, it's more than just Pearl Harbor, this base, but also it's, I think, looking at it as a, uh, a blocking position, in addition to a sort of a base, a, a launch point, uh, is is important to consider because the, the 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 Chinese, you know, do see it that way. You know, they look at it as as an obstacle. Um, and once you've got it, you know, if you think about it from uh, if you hold Hawaii or can neutralize it, um, then America's in a, a very difficult position of trying to sort of assert itself or operate into Asia, and the Japanese. Thought the same thing. Uh, if the Japanese had been smart and some smarter and somehow tried to uh, actually occupy Hawaii, uh, that it would have—you can see how the the American defense problem would have been greatly complicated. And it's all Hawaii is also in a sort of a blocking position or an important position on the the sea routes or the lines of communication between Southeast Asia, Australia. And once again, the west coast of the United States. But, um, you know, if you took Hawaii out of the the mix and ask yourself, well, how would I, you know, how would we operate? Uh, I think you can see its uh, its importance and, you know, its location, 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 which is, uh, you know, so important there.
0: You know, with my globe on Google Earth, if you put the California coast on one side of it, right, and you put Alaska just at the top. Virtually the, the entire expanse is the Pacific Ocean. And and the only thing, the thing that sits in the middle of that really is Hawaii. And on the left-hand side is New Zealand, um, followed by um, Australia. And then, and then you work north um, to the second island chain. That's uh, you're talking about in that vast expanse of Pacific Ocean, Hawaii is the dominant geographical feature.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, that's that. It's um, you know it's something that's important to keep in mind. I think the the importance of it. Um, You've you mentioned Alaska, and it's not on the map, but you know it's uh, you know later. It's always it's worth looking at a say a different differently configured map of the region and looking at Alaska to get a sense of its geographic importance. Uh, but that's say, just an aside. There's plenty of other stuff to, to think no, about.
0: Well, if, if we talk about Alaska, and I'll put an image, I'll put this image up, Grant. And so when we talk about Alaska, um, you know, you see Alaska's reach across the northern Pacific um, and on the path to Japan, on the path to Russia, obviously alaska plays a huge strategic piece yes
1: oh it's immensely important i think it's been we tend to ignore it because it's alaska Um, but it is as important as any piece of terrain on the map and you can make an argument it's one of the most important ones Uh, it's also a stride routes to to europe Uh, we don't often think of it that way uh, but that's you know with things warming up that it it has become a sort of a route to europe but also it gives you um, range it, from alaska you can get just about anywhere uh, on the globe really quickly actually i think billy mitchell the air force general actually spoke of alaska's uh, geographic strategic importance from a geographical standpoint and he's actually he was right actually when you look at it um, you can, you know, it just actually extends, if you go up sort of to the right of Japan, keep going a little bit, you start running into the Aleutian Islands, which are part of Alaska, you run into those pretty quickly. Uh, but it is a, uh, sort of say, it's in a very important place. Uh, you know, and it'd be nice to see, actually, I think the, the US military, the Marines even training up there more. Uh, there's good amphibious operations and plenty of land as well. Uh, they've done a little bit. Um, well, wasn't there's, it? There's, uh,
0: well, it was, didn't their senator hold up the defense appropriations bill last year until the Marine Corps said that they they he wanted to know why the Marine Corps had not been um, more active in um, in 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 Alaska. It certainly, it certainly should be uh, training there.
1: Well, it it should. It be you could even make a pretty rudimentary, an ad hoc amphibious uh, training area and even operating location with some effort. I uh, sort of recall I think it was Senator Sullivan right. uh, who sort of raised these issues, and I think he was correct about that. And um, you know, the uh, what a uh, lieutenant colonel from. Uh, Alaska, who uh, really did good work uh, getting the Japanese to do what they needed to do. And I think he's retired there. And he's I've heard him speak about Alaska's importance. I think he's had a little bit of uh, he's had some effect in uh, getting a little more Marine Corps attention uh, to the place. But it's this uh, I just want to mention Alaska because we don't usually think about it when we think of the Asia Pacific, uh, but it deserves considerable attention.
0: Um, so as we make our way across the Pacific, I know we we're initially going to head across the um, uh, the northern part, but you can see the significance of a place like Kerbati, as, as as you know, what probably kind of on the road between Hawaii and Australia and Hawaii certainly to New Zealand. You see, um, Kerbati. Am I pronouncing that right?
1: It, it's Kiribati. I've heard different pronunciations, and I would say Kiribosh because that's the first when I first heard about. That's how it was, I heard it pronounced, but uh, it's it's something like that. Kiribati. So, but it, um, yeah, that's where Terawa uh, is, and you, you're right. It's right. To, it um, you know, if you're coming up from uh, the southeast. You know Australia, etc. To the towards the U.S., you've got these islands there, and if you're looking at say, a pressuring or you know, keeping an eye on Hawaii, it's a good location from which to do it, and that's where the Chinese are have just signed it, and they look to be uh, refurbishing an old World War II era airfield, uh, and they've agreed to various cooperations, and you, know, you it wouldn't be surprised if you'll have a. Uh, sort of a Chinese military presence there of some sort uh, before too long. Uh, There was that was actually where the Chinese put in a satellite tracking station in about 2000, the late 1990s, uh, in Kiribati. And it got a little attention. But back then, nobody paid attention, much attention. And then Kiribati switched its uh, recognition to Taiwan. And the Chinese left, and a few years ago Kiribati switched back to China, and the Chinese have come back but you can see where it, it's a tiny little place they most all these places are uh, but it's you know if you draw the line from say Australia to the West Coast, Kiribati is right up there, and it's only about it's like fifteen hundred a couple thousand miles from uh, Pearl Harbor from Hawaii, so mm-hmm. it 's not far away
0: no, and when you see where it sits um Relative to, um, you know, the the vast expanse of the Pacific, I mean, it's a little bit south of of Hawaii, but generally along that that axis, north south axis, uh, axis, <clears throat> which is pretty important strategic place as it you know as it looks on a map. Like I don't know what that is, that little dot, but whatever that little dot is, we should be interested in it.
1: And these these all these little these islands, the, the countries, they have what are called exclusive economic zones, right. which is like the sort of the the part of the ocean they own. And these are big. When you see a map that has their EEZs laid out on it, uh, it it's immense. And it really is a it's a it blocks you know, if you're done right, if you're an enemy, it blocks uh, access from Asia to the American West Coast. And if we say when you see it, let um, sort of uh, on a map, it's impressive just how big these things are because they're tiny little islands. But the EEZs go out, you know, a couple hundred miles, and these islands are made up of little islands. So each of the the the, it's all expanded. Actually, it gets um, uh, immense. If it was a country, it would be about as Almost as big as Russia, not quite, but it's uh, you know it's good to look at a map with EEZs on it and drawn out on it. You uh, can see the potential for um, disruption and control.
0: It does, is an e, would it EEZ be different for them in terms of size? I thought it was standardized in terms of the number of miles off your coast. Is it different for um, for? I hesitate to say now that you've intimidated me body.
1: I've intimidated myself <laughs> I, I, I refuse to answer Let's just say it's really big <laughs> got it got yeah. it. It, it when you have a bunch of little islands it you know the you can assert control it, it Gives oh, you some opportunities for
0: so from every little island it radiates. Uh, not,
1: I don't know. I do, say I've gotten way ahead of myself here. Um, but it's, it, o- it, it's okay. You're a podcast expert. Yeah, so but you also have territorial claims that you can make. Uh, sometimes they're. It, it gets complex, but it, it's a. Li- my recollection is that it's um, not quite exponential, but you can stretch things these things out pretty pretty far
0: got it got it the um and so if we continue south, uh you have fiji um uh which is north essentially almost due north of new zealand right so you have that and you have tonga Uh, which is in the same general vicinity, um, as I'm looking at my map. Um, Talk to me about, you can see the significance of these things now in the news as China attempts to create, what, uh, a land bridge across the Pacific.
1: Mm -hmm. uh, If you had the map showing the west coast of Latin America, uh, you'd see that Fiji gets really, and Tonga get really interesting. Uh, at that point, and also Antar- Antarctica doesn't get the attention it deserves because uh, it's Antarctica, but it is also of, uh, immense importance and interest uh, to a lot of to several nations. And the Chinese have a are nosing around down there and actually have a presence. Uh, and Fiji and Tonga and New Zealand are on the way to Antarctica. Uh, so these two places, you know, where they get dismissed as just being, you know, out of the way and way down there that um, if your intentions are to head sort of head east or south, these are very good locations. And the Chinese do look at them uh, that way. And we should look at them in the same you know, same way. We should recognize their strategic importance in terms of location. But then there's just the, the benefit of actually having uh, friends and pe- countries that are aligned with you. Um, If you don't have them, the other guy will. And we've uh, really dropped the ball uh, in both places.
0: Got it. Got it. All right. Um, and then I w- if we're talking about uh, Tonga and Fiji, we ought to talk about New Zealand. Um, New Zealand, as you go further south on your way to Antarctica, um, it uh, it's it's generally in that grouping. Um, talk to us about New Zealand. Um, New Zealand charts its own very, very independent, different liberal course. Um, what say ye about New Zealand?
1: Um, New Zealand is, you know, as you pointed out, way down to the south. It's, it's almost south of New Zealand, south of Australia. But right. once again, if you think of Antarctica, once again, uh, it gets even more interesting. But New Zealand has disarmed itself to the point that if the the Chinese landed a couple sort of mechanized brigades in New Zealand, which they could do, that I don't think New Zealand could defend, could uh, withstand it. That's how weak New Zealand's military has become. The New Zealand troops themselves, of course, are excellent, uh, but the, the successive governments in New Zealand have, going back to the 80s, have really gutted the military. Uh, and, But it's... Uh, you know, obviously, it's historically we think of it as an ally. It's uh, the government, I think, has somehow has, has not um, always seen it that way. Uh, in fact, the, until just close to China, much closer than should be. Uh, but it's uh, you know it seems to be coming back to the fold uh, somewhat. But New Zealand, say we, even you look at where where it is on the map, you can almost see why they've thought of themselves as so far out of the way that they could you know, play these kind of games and, you know, keep the Americans out, et cetera, you know, or set rules that keep the Americans out. Uh, but those days are over and they, New Ze- the Chinese see New Zealand, you know, just the way, you know, covetously, just the way they would Fiji and Tonga and every other island down there.
0: All right, let's talk about, um, let's go back up north and uh, we leave Alaska. We head further uh, south and west. And uh lo and behold, we find Japan. Yeah,
1: you well, know, with Japan, one thing that people don't always recognize is how far north it is. Um, you know, if you look at the southern southern part of Japan, say the, the bottom of the the Big Islands, Kyushu, um, that's really close to South Korea. Uh, you know, it's I forget how wide the the Strait is, but it's not far. And you say so you don't often get a sense of that, and also just how uh, depending depending how you look at it, it's kind of it's sort of the north of China or north of a lot of China. and that location is you know it's important. if you're uh, chinese, you you look at it and uh, you see it as an obstacle uh, and but J- Japan's location uh, is is worth keeping in mind uh, that it is a it's a and if you the part of Japan, if you look at it is um, where you have East China Sea down there, that's the Ryukyu chain, uh, that where the red line is. And that's where everybody knows Okinawa and Okinawa is right in the middle of it. So while the main part of Japan is pretty far north, the Ryukyu islands extend uh, down, way down to the south all the way to Taiwan. Uh, and that's so that but these are, oh, once again, are islands, they're not very big. So your defensive problem uh, becomes a little different than up on the big islands where you have uh, more space. Um, is, and and also, is the uh,
0: southern extremity um, of Japan's possessions the Senkaku Islands? And is that a territorial claim um, that's in conflict with China? Is Could you explain that to us, Grant? Because, I mean, uh, so when you do, when you look at how far North China, I mean China, Japan is, and then you see that it stretches all the way down to the Senkaku's, I mean that is that's that's stunning in terms of the, uh, I mean the, how big Japan is and, and the territory over which you know Japan governs.
1: Yeah, and you know from in, with Japan's military, you know if you look at the the geography, you think well, given the way we've got these territorial islands that go way down to the south, and they're they're islands, we should have some ability to to move quickly, you know, some amphibious capability. Uh, you know, and you you think that, but Japan basically had no capability for that, or almost none, uh, until just recently. And the focus, if it's off the map, but there's another Japanese island. It's a huge one called Hokkaido, and it's just just off the the map, oh, the and Northern and that's near near Russia, uh, also North Korea. And the Japanese military was configured to defend. Against a Russian invasion of Hokkaido, so you had the the big thing was tanks and armor, and the Japanese army was dominated by these armor officers who were called the Hokkaido mafia, and they were all waiting for the Russians to come, and you knew the Russians never were going to come, uh, but that's where the the Japanese army's focus was and much of the militaries uh, and instead of looking down to the south, where you have really a, a maritime problem and a different enemy. And it's really only been about the last 10 years that this has been taken uh, seriously. Uh, it's, it's why I and a couple others thought Japan needed an amphibious force and needed to uh, uh, really become something more like the Marine Corps working with the Navy. So we, we that's what we set about to do. Uh, and we had Japanese co-conspirators who knew exactly what needed done. Um, but that's what uh, this new Japanese amphibious force, that's um, uh, why it came about and a little bit of how, uh, but the Hokkaido mafia resents it immensely, because the Japanese military has gone from about 1300 tanks to about 400. Um, and they but, you know, they say that's just a, an aside, but you see the geography, if you saw Russia up there, and you saw Hokkaido, then you would see why this, uh, the Japanese started looking in the wrong direction. And when but when you look at China, you can see that that's maybe the bigger threat that has been to, uh, to Japan for a long time, but also politically, they didn't want to uh, admit it, you know, you were, the idea was, well, we have got to do business with China, we're going to get rich, etc. So they're very late getting the capabilities to defend uh, their southern territories. But the Senkakus, uh, which you've highlighted, those are Japanese territory. Uh, they got them in about 1895, I think, and the Chinese, of course, have um, in the last four or five decades, have started to make you know to claim that no, these are Chinese, and that's where the the jostling, this pushing is going on uh, down there. and the, these little little islands, and they're really tiny um, they um, but they are uh, hot they're contested, and the Japanese are not inclined to give them up, and the Chinese are. Uh, not the kind of people to, uh, you know, sort of back off a ridiculous claim once they've made it. Uh, so, but you also see how close they are to Taiwan um, and any sort of, if uh, the other guys have a military occupation of, if they can take the Senkakus, then it makes it hard to, for, even for the Americans to operate, you say, in defense of a Taiwan, uh, in this Taiwan scenario. Uh, but that's, uh, it's to say it's that's where they, the the Japanese and the Chinese have been pushing for uh, the last decade uh, and a little more.
0: Got it. The um, all right. So we've talked about uh, Japan and, and Japan's uh, reach. Um, what would that be across the Sea of Japan and to uh, um, across the Sea of Japan and to South uh, the the Korean Peninsula. Um, what would you tell us about the Korean Peninsula?
1: Uh, well, once again, you see how close it is to Japan, and that, so when North Korea is shooting these wep- these missiles, they always go east. That you can see, Japan doesn't like that very much at all, and that the North Korean threat has actually uh, that started around when they started shooting missiles. I think it was about nineteen ninety six or so. That kind of start, sort of started to wake up the Japanese. Uh, but, the, uh, but once again, it's that distance that you see, that a fight in South Korea of any sort, it's you. Japan is going to be in the mix and U.S. bases in Japan are going to be essential uh, for those operations. That's why the United Nations Command has a half dozen or so bases in Japan. It is entitled to use uh, by treaty. Japan has tried to, for a long time, it tried to pretend it didn't have any threats, that it was sort of a Pacifist safe place, but it's you look at its location. It's right across from, um, and you also see that if you keep going west of South Korea, you see China. So it's and there's a land border as well, um, that's North Korea and uh, China. That um, you know, once again, you've whatever happens on that peninsula is going to involve uh, the Japanese, the Koreans, and the, the Chinese, and not and and us, and everyone else is going to get sort of. Um, affected by it
0: dirty too got it got it all right uh we said we uh head into the east china sea as we move south along the chinese coast um talk to us about the east china sea what uh the senkaku islands obviously uh the marquee event there anything else we ought to know about the east china sea
1: uh the the chinese are pushing and they're the Japanese and the Chinese have a, it's a vague or disputed sort of border maritime border there. And there's some disputes going on over the Chinese drilling for gas, the Japanese say on their side of the line. So it's another place where there's friction going on between the Chinese and the the Japanese. Uh, And once again, you you see how close all these are to the Chinese mainland Uh, and at the same time, it kind of works both ways that, you know, if you do it right, the the Ryukyu island chain uh, can sort of serve as a barrier for uh, Chinese uh, military trying to get out. Uh, And the Chinese know that the Japanese know it as well. And the Japanese are starting to uh, put some uh, proper units on some of these Ryukyu islands. Uh, But the whole it's not just the Senkakus, it's really the whole Ryukyu's that are in play. And to def- the Japanese for a long time, and I mean, until maybe eight, nine years ago, they had basically nothing down there. Uh, if you went down to that area, onto these little islands, there might be a post office and maybe a two person police box. And but they had almost no military presence there. Uh, and the idea was, if you ignore the problem, the other guy, nothing will happen. Uh, they finally woken up, but it took so long for them to to get to this point. Um, but that's it's not so it's not just the Senkakus, but the entire Ryukyus are in play. China says that the, not just Senkakus, but they have said, the Ryukyus belong to us. So uh, one thing at a time, but they have uh, their eyes on the entire Ryukyu chain. Uh, but you can see, see where it is. And to defend it, the most effective way is if the Americans and the Japanese cooperate. Uh, they haven't done this in a, a meaningful way yet. Uh, but maybe they will wake up.
0: Um, further south into the South China Sea, um, we go past Taiwan. Uh, you can see the, although it's not marked, the Formosa Strait. I believe we call it. Do we still call it that? Um, so what?
1: Yeah, Taiwan Strait. Whatever. Yeah, it's it, Formosa Strait works or Taiwan Strait. Mm-hmm. Got but it. you you see where Taiwan is in this. Uh, right in this, the middle of that island chain. And And again, just so everybody
0: knows, on on this map I drew, um, replicates the first island chain, which is the red line to the left, and then the second island chain, which is the red line to the right. So just for sake of reference, uh, that's what those two lines represent.
1: Mm -hmm. And you also see how close Taiwan is to the Chinese mainland. I know that's an important thing. And, you know, obviously you can see for... If you're going to be operating in that area, uh, you're well within range of uh, shore-based weaponry uh, from China. And it's a a compacted uh, zone. So it has some challenges in that regard.
0: Got it. All right. Um, So geographically, we see the narrowness now into the South China Sea and, and by the Philippines on one side, Vietnam on the other.
1: Um, yeah, the, the South China Sea, and this is the one everyone talks about, and the Chinese say that it belongs to them. Uh, they've claimed almost all of it. And you, you can see that you look at where China is, and then you look at where the South China Sea is, and sort of instinctively, you know, well, you can only claim a certain amount off of your territory. Uh, but they have chain they've claimed this amount that goes down, you know, a thousand miles or, you know, a thousand plus miles uh, and said it's ours. And it's about one and a half times as big as the Mediterranean. Uh, and but China claims it all. And they've established these little islands in the middle of it uh, that they have turned into uh, four uh, bases. And they have the really the, the ability to pretty much sort of uh, lock it down if they feel like it. They've got a... Um, and you call get a little more stuff to do it and more things in place, but right now they have de facto control uh, of it if they want, and they've got uh, their fishing fleet and their so-called maritime militia, which is like a a fishing fleet that doesn't fish but it has <laughs> double double-hulled uh, boats and you know, they're armed, etc. But they're fishing that they are a okay. a force multiplier. But you can also see how there's um, you know, you know that a country can claim a certain distance offshore as its own. And you see Vietnam off to the left and it can claim a lot. China can claim a bit, Philippines, um, Taiwan even has a claim and um, uh, Brunei, this tiny little place, not on the map, but there's other countries that claim parts of this. So the claims overlap and they haven't been resolved, but everyone had agreed to just kind of not talk about it so much. But the Chinese have come along, and they it, they and they declared actually in the early 90s that this was all theirs. But it took them uh, a decade and a half to be able to do something about it. Uh, so the that's where you know the Chinese uh, the South China Sea is uh, once again hotly contested, and the Chinese I think have the upper hand. Uh, and but also not on the map is the thing to keep in mind is that the the transportation routes. Uh, through the region on to Japan to Korea to the American West Coast, they go through the South China Sea. And if you saw that map, it's really impressive, uh, that if you dominate, say, Taiwan, or otherwise control the South China Sea, you are in a position uh, to um, levy taxes or even keep certain ships out, uh, etc. So there's a commercial effect and say most of Japan's oil and all, almost all of South Korea's comes via the South China Sea. So you can see the, the problem uh, that these countries have and why they are so concerned about China being able to one, get Taiwan, being able to control the South China Sea, uh, that it is, starts to make sense uh, when you see that.
0: The, um, all right. Um, there's a cluster of nations on the backside of, uh, of Vietnam. Cambodia, Thailand, Laos, uh, Myanmar. Um, uh, uh, any comments geographically about them?
1: Um, the first um, start with Malaysia, sort of down at the bottom. Uh, well, uh, which since it's close enough, that um, uh, there's something called the, the Straits of Malacca, which you've noted it down there, right. uh, and obviously to get into the south china sea you've kind of got to go through the straits of malacca and that everyone knows this um, but it's a choke point and uh, the chinese are aware of it we're aware of it everyone is uh, and that is uh, strategic uh, terrain to put it mildly the chinese have for a long time they've been trying to get a, get around that and there's been talk of a uh, of a canal across that across Thailand. There's this Thailand extends down. You can see it's kind of a long, it actually extends down into Malaysia into almost, well, it extends down to the south and then it runs into Malaysia. There's a short isthmus, the Kra isthmus, where they've been talking about for years putting a canal in, a way to get around the the Malacca gap. Uh, But China has also been uh, trying to get ports on the the East Coast of uh, the Indian Ocean, um, say Burma, Bangladesh, that would allow them to establish say rail, a pipeline, road transports, or transportation into China and into the Indian Ocean. And once again, you can see it's trying to get around the geography, the, the geography that uh, causes the Chinese some problems, and particularly that Malacca Strait uh, thing is uh, what they, they don't like. Um, but these with um, you see Cambodia on there. And that is actually the Chinese have been putting a naval base in for a while now, and finally got reported in the Washington Post. Uh, But this has been obvious for a number of years that they the Chinese were moving in and that they would establish a naval base down there. Um, It's once again, there's an operational usefulness, of course. uh, But there's a political aspect to having your base having your presence. Uh, in the area, uh, the uh, another thing to keep in mind. But the when you look at those, the Myanmar um, in particular, and Bangladesh, it's not up there. But the it's important to look at them uh, as a sort of the east side of the Indian Ocean. And if you're thinking about military operations in the Indian Ocean, having some ability to operate from. Uh, Myanmar, Bangladesh uh, is very useful uh, as well, you know, theoretically, Thai, uh, Thailand as well, but that um, isn't they're not quite there. Uh, but that's something to keep in mind. the That's another another story is the Indian Ocean. Uh, but when you get to those, um, so keep that in mind. Um, another thing that that's of interest is and it's not on here is that you know, the Mekong River, everybody's heard about that. Um, but there's other big rivers that flow down from the tibetan plateau which is that brown part up to the top sort of up upperways, a ways um, and that's controlled by china china has been damming these uh rivers uh, for a we, long time yeah, they've really read, started doing
0: that. we read about uh-huh. that right
1: and one of those is the mekong and then there's others that are just as important um, but i'll just mention the mekong which runs down through you know uh, you know, Cambodia, Vietnam, et cetera. And that is, China has the ability to turn off the tap and it's getting strengthening that ability to do that. Uh, but that's a, it's something that we're going to see that come into play uh, soon, uh, I think. But that's an issue that doesn't get the attention it deserves.
0: All right, so if we go east of that, we have Bangladesh who I, that I just marked you have Sri Lanka, and you have India. Uh, anything in terms of the geopolitics of, of that part of the world?
1: Um, yeah, the, the Chinese have it in for India, uh, and are trying to get the, if you, the, the top parts of India. They've pretty much got Nepal already, uh, but they're pressuring India from the north, uh, they would like to be able to at least neutralize uh, India, which is part of the reason why China and Pakistan have this connection is that uh, with Pakistan, China is in a position to sort of surround India from the north. Uh, Sri Lanka, that little island off to the bottom of, of India. Uh, once again, you can see the usefulness of having a military base there or the ability to operate. And that's uh, why China is. Um, Lent all that they lent Sri Lanka a ton of money. To, Sri Lanka couldn't repay, so China got 99-year lease on um, on a port, and they've also built a port uh, in Sri Lanka. And the Chinese naval vessels have operated out of there, uh, but there's been some political difficulties that, you know, for different for owing to a serious economic mismanagement and corruption by the Sri Lankan government, so the people aren't too happy with the government that let the Chinese in. So it's not clear how that's going to play out. But you can see why the the geography of Sri Lanka uh, would really is very attractive uh, to the Chinese. And obviously, the Indians don't want that to happen. Uh, but that's where, where that is. And in the Indian Ocean in play, and it's a way to uh, sort of open things up, if you look at it from China's perspective, um and also protect that you know, you've got trade routes et cetera, that go through there
0: so when you look at china the significance of uh Myanmar the significance of Laos uh are that um they if you can somehow negotiate agreements with them you can access the indian ocean um and not have to use them.
1: Well, that's part, that's a, a good chunk of it. But also you can, if you dominate the, just the more you dominate, the, the stronger you are is the way it's looked at. And plus, you know, the China-Vietnam relationship has always been touchy, like forever, like 1,500 right. years. Right. And you can see if you have Laos, if you have Cambodia, and you have a more friendly Thailand, um, it, you've gotten around behind Vietnam. And that's, you know, it's a consideration. Uh, and then Burma or Myanmar has once again you have access to the Indian Ocean. Myanmar is a wealthy place, potentially, uh, and the, the control that and you it just it you're you're the big dog when you you know the more people that you know have to sit when you tell them to, and that's what one of that's a good bit of the the motivation is to dominate it. And once again, if you have it, India doesn't. Uh, And the Americans don't. You know, the ties used to be very pretty strongly in our camp and not well disposed towards the Chinese. But that has um, really shifted since the Obama era, uh, when the Obama administered ties after they had a coup, um, and just did uh, other things to just be rude to them. They had an American diplomat actually insult the uh, the Thai king, and that is not what you do. So the ties have actually shifted more towards the Chinese than is healthy. And we've, uh, it's been the part of American, uh, American, mystery, uh, because there's always been a lot of Chinese influence uh, in Thailand, and parts of the Thai ruling classes is really is uh, Chinese origins. And, you know, so that it's not entirely America's fault, but we've really made it much worse. Uh, so the, it's all about influence and domination. And the, the more you influence and dominate, the better you are from uh, Chinese, China's perspectives.
0: You know, um, I guess President Biden's contemplating a trip to Saudi Arabia. And it reminds me of, you know, what you just said about President Obama. You know, these things happen. American has a strategic interest in the region. And while you might want to stand out in front and, you know, I don't know, give speeches about human rights, at some point you might need that country. And lo and behold, we find, you know, gasoline around the United States heading towards $6 a gallon, over $5 a gallon right now, heading towards $6 a gallon. And it, you know, as much as, you know, as much as the crown prince of Saudi Arabia is a shithead, you know, tread lightly there. You might need him, And so it's interesting the way the world works and and how stupid politicians are.
1: Um, yeah, we do some things that are, you know, should not be done. Uh, and, you know, it is, it happens. But you, you saw that play out in Thailand. You know, I was, you know, just, you know, happened to be fairly close to, to what was going on. And it was just breathtaking stupidity. You know, it's worth noting that at the time that the Thais had this coup, uh, that in Egypt, Egypt had one. The Obama administration didn't mind the Egyptian one, uh, but they just humiliated the Thais uh, for what the Thai government for what they had done, and that has really, uh, really hurt our standing in that pl- in that country.
0: Got it. Um, all right. Uh, further to the south. Um... Talk to me. I, I have a question for you. Are Malaysia and East Malaysia the same country?
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's so you can a, see,
0: you can see yeah. Malaysia, East Malaysia, and then you see Indonesia, and and what I try to do with Indonesia is um, depict. Um, I don't even know if I come close to uh, the center of Indonesia, um, but. Um, uh, you see, Indonesia pointing to what is that called? Celebes.
1: Oh, it's Celebes. Yeah. Celebes.
0: I mean, and, and, sure then, sure and then down it, yeah. below, Sumatra, Borneo, Java, Timor. Uh, all those, all those uh, places make up the the nation of Indonesia, a giant, breathtaking uh, geographical figure. Talk to us about the the challenge of governing that and the strategic significance of Malaysia.
1: Well, you can see the geography. <laughs> it uh, it it extends from really quite a ways from west to east, and it's uh, if you want to operate, if you have your eyes, say, on Australia's, for example, or getting down uh, into the Antarctic or the the South China or into the Indian Ocean, that Indonesia's there. You've somehow have got to deal with it. And it, you know, who whichever side it on gives you an advantage if you can operate out of there, you can see it's very helpful. Um, and the other direction as well, it's a very, it's a useful place to have country to have on side. But as you said, it's uh, re- it's a complex place. And it has different ethnic groups, uh, almost different racial groups. If you go from, say, Papua, which is Iria and on the, the left part of where you've marked it the left half of the island of New Guinea, you know, that's uh, very different than Aceh. say the top, the tip of Sumatra. Um, and, you know, you've got uh, what, you know, what Melanesian fellows are, you know, from, who are not all that ad- advanced in a lot of cases, to Epinace, you've got these, you know, pretty extreme Muslims uh, up in that part. And they're ethnic, they're sort of, I think, ethnically different from uh, other Indonesians, but you have Sumatra and Java, and those are the two main islands. Um, and the, that's where the, the the action is, or that's where Indonesia is controlled. Of. It's really Java, which of Indonesia, that's what usually comes to mind. And the Javanese see themselves as the, really the rightful lords of everything else going on in Indonesia. And the, but then you go to the east, you have Christians in the Celebes. The Christian communities, and that's where there's been a lot of um, it was Islamic terrorism and murder uh, over the years in that part. There's been fighting there. You've got pirates down there um, in Papua. You've got an insurgency with the the locals against the Indonesians, who they uh, see as occupiers. And it, so it's got a lot of problems going on. It's kind of a corrupt place, um, but it is a, it's a very important country that doesn't get. As much attention as it uh, probably deserves. um, Maybe partly because it's just so hard to deal with them uh, sometimes, but it's worth the effort. And the Australians know this and and they by and large, they they have opportunity to accept Indonesia. Um, And though it's a hard, it is hard work. But the Indonesians, of course, see the Australians suspiciously. Um, But the Indonesians are not really on China's side. You know, they've taken Chinese uh, investment um, but they they don't really like them, and every once in a while there's a the chinese uh, ethnic Chinese population in Indonesia uh, which does tend to uh, be uh, very influential economically. Every once in a while they get um uh, winnowed out. it's it's really it can be very bad uh, when the uh, the Indonesians go after the, the the local Chinese, the ethnic Chinese. Uh, It's been a while, but that it gives you a sense of uh, how China is regarded. So Indonesia is um, by no means in China's camp. Uh, They actually like the Japanese a lot because they see the Japanese as having uh, driven the Dutch out in World War II, and the Dutch were the colonizers. So the Japanese are very well regarded, actually, in much of Indonesia.
0: Okay. And then... um... At Grant's request I, I put Darwin on the map here. Um talk to us about Australia. Um and then uh and then both Pau Pau and Papua New Guinea. And then up to Palau. Talk to us about that kind of north south uh you know um arc. Um and then along the uh at the bottom of the at the southern end of the Philippine Sea.
1: Um, Well, with Australia Australia is Australia, and everyone is familiar with it, but you can see where Darwin is. And that's way up, it's really right up in there, you know, getting close to Southeast Asia. It's within spitting distance of Indonesia. uh, And it's a wonderful operation. If you're going to operate into that area, Darwin's a very good location. Uh, And you can, when you see the importance of it, uh, the... Giant crocodiles will, of course, eat you um, in Darwin if you go in the water. But that's another story. But you see the location is important. Um, if you saw all of Australia, it's a huge place. And the, um, the Australians prefer to live down in the south because uh, Darwin's can be kind of hot and big alligators and things. But So for setting Darwin up as a base, the problem is to get Australians to be willing to sort of live up there. Uh, but they've had some success. And then on the left side of Australia, it's not on the map, you have Fremantle, uh, which once again is a very good uh, naval location for, say, submarines and surface ships uh, to operate uh, into the Indian Ocean. Um, but Darwin really, if you saw all of Australia, Darwin's way up at the top. Uh, but you see the that's where the Marines go, of course. Right. But you see the importance of it. And there's not much up there. It's a very good training area. Um but you can you could not just operate up into Southeast Asia and Central Pacific from Darwin, but you can also bring locals in to train. you can edge you have a schoolhouse down there. There's ways to make Darwin the center of this uh, activity. And you'll notice Timor is just off to the left um, that you've noted there. Timor is an independent country. Um, it's the, the Chinese have really got their claws into it. Um, Partly there's some oil to be had or gas, um, but more just look at the location. If you can see if you can get a presence there, you've inserted yourself in the middle of the Australians, in the middle of the Indonesians, and there's a political psychological effect that comes of that. Uh, Timor actually begged the Marines to come and use the place. This was a decade ago, and set up a training area and use it all you want and bring your friends. They practically pleaded. The Marine Corps could not be bothered to do it, even though the captains and the majors put together a plan in an afternoon that would have worked fine. Uh, So now the Chinese have the place. Um, The Chinese foreign minister just went there the other day and they had a a love fest. So the good news keeps coming and coming. But we do have the opportunities in Darwin. Uh, And then if you go up to, you know, you look up to New Guinea, uh, and you see Papua, Papua New Guinea is the right half of the island of New Guinea, the left half is Papua, or sometimes called Irdian Jaya, And that's owned by Indonesia. Uh, so but once again, it's a, a rich place, there's the geography, once again, you see how it uh, potentially it either serves as a, a launch point, or serves a, a blocking function. You know, if you want to keep Australia in check, or even operate against Australia. Uh, Papua is a very good or New Guinea is a very good location Uh, The Chinese have just uh, announced a plan a few months ago to build a huge fishing port Down on the very bottom of Papua New Guinea right across from Australia Uh, And of course it's just for fishing as everybody knows But they're pushing everywhere They'd like to get uh, inserted everywhere they possibly can Uh, So yeah, you know, but it's not all bad news. If you you go up to Palau, you can see where that is, and that's where the Battle of Peleliu was. Uh, that it's a good location, uh, you know, right to the to the in the Philippines off to the left, and sort of in the middle of uh, the Central Pacific. Uh, and the Palau uh, asked the Americans to set up a military base uh, last year. Uh, we haven't exactly moved with alacrity. Um, on that offer. We don't get many offers like that. But when you get up to Palau, you're in the middle of the Central Pacific. And we don't pay much attention to that. And that's where Guam is, Micronesia, the um, Marshall Islands as well. And it's this belt of islands that are very friendly to the United States. They have formal arrangements with us uh, that let us uh, handle their foreign affairs and military affairs. Um, and we have a first we have a Garrett first refusal on military operations. In exchange, we provide them with with money. This hasn't uh, we, we need to get on. The, we need to renew these deals tomorrow. Um, but you once again, you see that that belt that stretches across the entire Central Pacific. And the Chinese want it. They have a presence in all of these places. It's commercial, political. Um, but they say they they want to insinuate themselves in there. That's where Kiribati was so important uh, for them uh, to get in there. It's sort of off to the right a bit. But uh, Palau, Micronesia, um, uh, and Guam, Saipan, uh, those are all, it's key terrain, but it just doesn't get the attention it deserves. And that's why a map like this is so important. As you can see how it potentially, it blocks movement from uh, Japan down to Australia, it blocks east-west movement. Uh, and it, you w- you don't want the other guy to get those those places. And we haven't given the Philippines their due. Um, but you can see, you know, how uh, their importance from a geographic standpoint. Um, all those islands, um, It if you're trying to get through them in either direction, uh, you can see the difficulties there. And it's, once again, it's either a, serves as a barrier or a uh, an operating location, um, and but it, it doesn't get the attention it deserves. And you also see just how big the Philippines are. You know, they extend pretty much from Taiwan uh, almost all the way down to Indonesia. Um, but once again, the geography makes a huge difference.
0: And and so the Philippines, <clears throat> there's they own islands that that extend from from the Philippines towards Taiwan. Yes.
1: That's right. Yeah, they've right. got. Just like
0: of, just like Japan, mm-hmm.
1: and yeah, they extend all the way just a, a way up towards Taiwan. These little places, uh, a couple of which there's Chinese commercial interests have gotten involved, um, and um, then Philippines also, you know, their claims to the South China Sea go way out to the the west, of course, and they. This is where the Chinese have just moved in and pushed them off, and the Americans have done nothing. Uh, about it. And the, the most egregious case was Scarborough Shoal uh, in 2012. And that was just was a disaster for America's reputation. Uh, we had an obligation to protect the Philippines, we did nothing when the Chinese Navy moved in, or Coast Guard. And the Philippines said, Well, what do we have this deal with you for? Uh, and other nations saw it as well. Um, but uh, the that you, looking at a map makes it all, it all makes a little more sense. And you can see how things tie in, uh, more than if you, you know, just talk about it.
0: Let me, um, I, since you've been talking, I've, uh, annotated where the Paracel Islands are, uh, where, uh, Scarborough Shoal is and where the Spratly Islands are. And as you look at that grant, I mean, for the love of god the 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 scarborough Shoal, I mean that is that's like bright that's in the Philippines for the love of God and it you, is you uh, see yeah. that and uh and the, 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 was the Paracel islands which was the first one that was developed
1: um well they had the paracels for a long time um I would be i'd have to, i short answers I don't know um I just don't remember, but it's those the islands more in the middle of the the ones we're talking about the man-made islands. These are if you go to where you have South China Sea and then go down a bit, uh, that's where the 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 amalgamation or the collection of them is, and they're way far away from China, right in the middle of the South China Sea. They're full-service military bases. Uh, as big as Pearl Harbor, as big as Washington, D.C. And they just get more and more armaments on them. Uh, and the Americans dismissed it all, you know, when this was happening. You know, they said, oh, they, you know, the Chinese said, oh, these are just weather stations. Uh, the um, You even had a PACOM commander who just laughed it off as, oh, the great wall of sand. And the idea was that, well, we can flatten it in a day. In hours, if we need to, but you, that isn't. They completely missed the point, and they've allowed the Chinese to really establish their presence in the middle of the South China Sea. Uh, and it's a place where they and their claim to the China's claim to this was uh, completely blown out of the water by the Permanent Court of Arbitration, as we've talked about, right. when the Filipinos brought it brought it to to trial or brought a case. Uh, but the Chinese just ignored it. They called the court's decision a scrap of waste paper, and they've gotten away with it so um, but the Chinese have been gradually, have this this has happened over years because they was um they've they took some islands for example in uh, nineteen seventy five i think four or five when South Vietnam was falling they grabbed some then and then nineteen eighty eight they took some more islands from uh, I think from Vietnam again and gunned down ninety Vietnamese sailors and marines standing in the water. Uh, used to be on YouTube as well. The Chinese used it for a recruiting video, uh, which tells you plenty um, and then they've moved farther south you know, with their using their fishing fleet, the maritime militia, and just bowled people out of the way, took Scarborough Shoals, started building the artificial islands uh, and they've you know this has played out over goodness, almost 30 years, I guess, uh, well, much longer, and they, you know, here we are. It was actually, I think, 1992 that the Chinese uh, government passed a law saying South China Sea belongs to China, and everyone sort of laughed about it. Oh, these nutty Chinese, they just, oh, they're just acting out. Well, you knew exactly what was coming, and what was coming has come. Uh, so.
0: It is amazing when you look at the Scarborough show and you, you you think, and then you look at a a map that would have an overlap of the economic exclusion zones in the South China Sea, Vietnam, uh, Malaysia, uh, uh, the Philippines, uh, Indonesia, and you see that and you, and hear the Chinese just say, yeah, none of that applies. We own this. And it's just, it's stunning when you look at the geography of it as we move to the to the, the Central Pacific, and we see the second island chain, you talked about Plough, you talked about Guam, but, uh where you see FSM, uh, that stands for Federated States of Micronesia, and you see the Solomon Islands and the Marshall Islands. Um, um, talk about that and talk about China's vision of moving west. How do the Chinese, these must all be seen as targets of opportunity Right? We don't need them all, right? but there's a lot of different choices out there, a lot of people looking for money, and we need to cultivate this um, and uh, to develop uh, our own uh, power. So talk about those Central Pacific Islands relative to China's um, desire for to break the first and second island chains.
1: Um, well, that's it. You know, you're breaking the, the chains and, you know, in fact, you're almost making them irrelevant, you know, if you can pop up in enough places. Uh, and the Chinese would want them for the same reasons the Japanese did in World War II right. uh, and the same reason we should want them. Uh, but if you've, if you've got them, you've put the, your opponent at a huge disadvantage and you've effectively gotten behind the island chains. You've breached the walls or leapfrogged them, uh, if you think of it in castle defense. Uh, And the way that the Chinese do it, and it's a predictable sequence, is it starts with commercial presence, um, you know, right down to sort of street corner shops owned by Chinese traders, and you get more of a commercial presence. You um, do some, uh, say, construction projects. Uh, You have your fishing fleet operating uh, at sea and ashore, and you take over that industry. And when you have commercial presence you uh, get political influence, because you're the you're, you're the people that are actually creating some economic activity, that, you know, people kind of benefit from some of them, and the government gets paid off, it gets, you know, makes money from licenses, etc. And they see the Chinese as well. We may not like them, we may not like them as much as we do the Yankees or whomever. But they're here, and not many other people are, you get this you know, political influence that builds up, and then you'll have locals who benefit from the the Chinese presence. Say they're get they've sold, released some property, or uh, you know have a building the Chinese have rented, etc. That you get a constituency in the local population that doesn't mind having them there, uh, but a lot of people don't. So it you know it sort of roils, it stirs up the the population, the society, which makes it less able to present any sort of uh, sort of um, joint sort of company, you know, systematic resistance to what the Chinese uh, influence is doing. And you it gradually builds up over time. And in the Central Pacific, this has been going on, but this sequence is playing out for the last 30 years. And it includes on Guam, which is American territory, Saipan as well, the same dynamic has played out. And Guam is where the Americans have bases. Um, and, you know, in Saipan, the Americans were going to, um, you know, the Chinese put casinos in. Uh, they've have been shut down recently. Uh, but the casinos were an, a way to put for China to get its influence into this American territory, to interfere with American military operations, to turn the population against uh, its ties to the United States. And they did successfully um, back the groups that, caused the Americans to give up on plans for an amphibious uh, combined arms training area in uh, in the northern Marianas, which is Saipan, uh, they did succeed at that. So it's this, uh, let's say the sequence that you see played out. And, you know, you've got to admire Chinese uh, persistence, and they will go out to the far ends of the earth and do this stuff. Uh, we don't. And that's part of the problem is that in the absence of an alternative, uh, what the China when the Chinese show up, it you know it kind of it it attracts a lot of people. Um, other people can be paid off, and people who don't like it, you know, they tend to get drowned out or even roughed up. Uh, so you're seeing that playing out in the Central Pacific and literally on every other uh, piece of the map that you've got up there.
0: All right. Um... First of all, I want to thank you i I love this discussion and and I think it it really helps to be able to see the problem laid down on uh on a big table right in uh in Neusher manor and so this is as close as I can come to that but uh um, any final thoughts on the geography of the pacific uh the vast geography of the pacific Grant
1: um No, one thing that does come to mind just when I saw Okinawa on there is, you know, the Chinese have had a political influence effort going on Okinawa for a long time. trying to encourage say the anti American anti base anti Japan military. uh, And even into pro independence forces, they've been trying, they've had limited success. Uh, But that's so you're even seeing it play out in places that we think are pretty solidly uh, online. And, you know, with all of this, the looking at this map, uh, particularly, I like the way it orients actually on the, the, the ocean part, this big Central Pacific, South Pacific uh, area that, you know, if you're not there, you're not interested. And you have to ask yourself, well, are we there? And this includes US government, State Department, but also US business, you know, to what extent are they in the middle of the map, not around the edges, but in the middle. And that's a challenge, uh, that, um, but it doesn't ha- always have to be Americans. You know, the Japanese are pretty good at operating there, uh, the Indians, uh, the, the Taiwanese also. Well, yeah, um, why,
0: the- why wouldn't there be a quad presence there and a quad economic agreement to encourage right, economic ties to these countries? Because you've, you've told us repeatedly you can have these places for pennies on a dollar right it's cuz and and again um if the last time i think it was the last time grant was on last week he 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 referenced a letter written by the president of the federated states of micronesia what's his name grant
1: uh david Panuelos.
0: yes and he is beseeching his peers to understand what china's trying to do and not to dance with the devil Right. And and then you see this geographically and it, it leaps out at you. And you know, and that um I, I to me it's a great head scratcher. Are we that afraid of of China Chinese business? Is their lobby in Washington that strong? And when I and really there were lobby on Wall Street that strong that American president presidents bow to what they did at the Scarborough Shoal, right? and 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 won't confront the chinese and and again you confront confront them economically with smarter policies um but confront them you will and so i i don't know it's just to me uh watching this and then now seeing it on maps it it only makes it jump out at you know jump out further and uh very interesting but um is that what it is? It's the lack of will to confront the Chinese economically because they have so much power, um, so much power on Wall Street.
1: Well, that was a lot of it, particularly in the, when it came to the Philippines, the South China Sea. You know, the business lobbies would howl, but also they, you'd have on our elite classes fear, well, if we do that, we're going to have thermonuclear war, as if there's no alternative right. to, you know, it's either, well, roll over or have nuclear war. Uh, and that was kind of the thinking for a long time. And the the economic end in these remoter places, you know, I think if we built more five-star hotels, that then you could probably attract the Americans. Um, there's just it it takes a certain type skill set to be able to uh, work that problem, to be able to draw in the 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 economic uh, support that's needed. Uh, and I think that our governing class, the foreign service types, the State Department, even the U.S. military. It's not something they know how to do. And I think that's part of the problem is that, you know, they—they it's just not, how many people do you know who can actually do business? Uh, There's not many of them. And I think that that's part of the problem. It's just compounded by what you've described as the uh, very successful purchase of America's elite classes uh, by the the Chinese uh, over a long period of time, uh, and for some reason, this you know there are congressmen who've tried to get pay more attention to this, um, and they just haven't been able to get enough support within within Congress for whatever reason.
0: First of all, uh, again, I love doing this kind of stuff but uh thank you very much Grant for spending uh, about an, an hour and a half or so with us uh, talking about the geography and uh, the strategic um, alignment of the of the Pacific which is gigantic and uh and so um I'll talk to you again next week thank you
1: Okay, sounds good I gotta I had to change my ascot three times when I was talking so much
0: <laughs> and especially if you're using a to wipe up brandy i'm sure you, yeah i'm sure a couple of those were just brandy changes so thank you very much
1: okay, sure and let's enjoy it
0: all right
1: see you grant
0: i told you it'd be cool yeah i enjoyed every. <laughs> i enjoyed every, every bit of it um i love maps and only wish i would have had them had them when i was a kid if I'd have had something like Google Earth, I'd have been fascinated by it, right? Reading first-hand accounts, looking at actual great map of the, the region, the geography of it, and all of that, I think it would have been very cool. So anyway, um, my thanks to him for coming on and doing that. Um, my thanks to you all for listening. And uh, if, uh, if I can help you help somebody, don't hesitate. That's what I do. Have a great day. I'm Mike McNamara, the Saw Marine Radio. I'm out.